G'day and welcome to the Pod Pod. It's your boy Dossie talking all things AFL fantasy on this Monday night, January 8th. 2024. We're talking breakouts and regression on the show today with a very special guest, if I do say so myself. But before we introduce him, joining me as always, we have two-time top 10 hat winner, Kyle Holmes. How are you, mate? Good, Dossie boy. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, looking forward to this one. I don't think you need to thank me for being on anymore, mate. You're, You're part of the show. You're part of the fabric here. You're not a guest anymore, mate. You no need to thank me on the intro. Uh, this guy does have to thank me, though, because it is a it is an honour to be on this show, and he must remember that from time to time. But we have five-time top 100 finisher, the Statesman, on as well. Welcome, mate. G'day, Dossie. Um, I, I will say apologies, listeners, uh, if I cough, splutter, um, sweat a fair bit as I am right now. I'm going through a bit of a fever patch. I've got the vid, uh, unfortunately, two weeks overseas. Uh, had a beautiful break, get back on home for three days and get the vid. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, down the dumps a little bit at the moment, so I do apologise. And we are worried. We are worried. We don't yeah, want to lose prayers this up. <laughs> and, Prayers up for the and FOSS. And I'm going through a major sweat as we speak. It's shocking. <laughs> prayers up for the FOSS. We know it is a danger for his demographic. But um, our guest today, <laughs> he is a salary cap lover, a guy who's been frothing over the cricket as well this holiday period. But a man who basically invented the CBA in all seriousness and he eats solo podcasts for breakfast. It is the great Stevie Fears of the Draft Doctors. How are you going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, always always happy to talk some salary caps. Uh, my, bread and, my bread and butter. <laughs> it is your favourite format. And uh, how is the team coming together? Have you actually logged in yet? Have you put in the old, uh, the new AFL fantasy? What do you got to put in some new system now and get your, your profile sorted? Is that all done for you, Stevie? You've got a team, of course. Yeah, well, I've downloaded the app. Um, there is a couple players Ooh. in there. It's kind of funny is like seeing everyone talk about ownership percentage. I'm like, how many people have just like downloaded the app, put in one player and left it? Like, you know, just settle down, guys. Settle yeah. down. Yeah, look, uh, we've definitely had a podcast about that already, Stevie. So just uh, cool, your, cool your horses there. But uh, Hey, Stevie, before say, we get you? in, mate, I, I do have a question for you. Are you a little bit upset with the, the new midfield data that's come out in the last couple of days that have made you absolutely redundant and proved you a fraud? The what, sorry? What happened? From, from Papowski. Oh, just yeah, no, he's, that, you know. he's got me iced. But he knows what he's, he's, he's he does it for that's his career. Like I'm a greenkeeper. Let's let's it's not it's David and Goliath here. I'm you know <laughs> up against it. Just a battler. I'll yes, back so you. I'll back some, you, mate. It's been some touchy touchy uh, topics in the the old Twitter sphere these days. I feel like the uh, the X. There's a bit of that toxicity in the fantasy community this preseason. But uh, Stevie Fizz, of course, over at the Draft Doctors, your tweets are always much appreciated and. Just uh, t- treading that fine line between uh, that, <laughs> between content. Uh, anyway, I don't think really there's too many hot topics to touch on this week, and we do want to run a pretty tight ship because we know the Foss has to leave, and we don't have- want to hold him too long with the vid situation as well. So I think we'll just get straight into our breakouts and regression. And I guess the reason we wanted you on, Stevie, as well is quite hot on these guys um, or knowing your breakouts and regression given the stats you do and I think we're keen to maybe get you on for one of the Holmes Files episodes and those one-on-one interviews just to get some of your thoughts on on how you do your statistical research and stuff but could you maybe just give us a very quick um, you know breakdown of how you work out your breakouts and when you're looking for a regression candidate what you kind of look for? Yeah so this year is probably tough is generally the thing I'm looking for is openings in favorable roles so whether it's retirements or players getting traded uh, i think the natural progression is is sometimes harder to pick because often it means the incumbent has to you know with without a retirement or vacancy opening up you're just backing on an incumbent being pushed out of that role so sort of like when clayton oliver broke out i found that really really hard to pick um the regressions on the other hand I find a little bit more easy because you, you you try to find someone who's doing something outside the ordinary. It's really hard. It's probably like Stato's Brownlow uh, regression. If you find someone who's doing something out of the ordinary, uh, it, it's going to be really hard to back that up. And I think sort of 
talking about that um, market share, I know it sort of gets talked about by other people on Twitter in terms of fantasy points, but I don't think... I think you've got to look at what's happening from an actual statistical point, whether it's marks, kicks, tackles, etc. When those are really out of whack, say like a Sam Berry last year, oh, I'm sorry, the year prior, I guess you should say, is that's going to be really hard to maintain over a full season and, and indeed season on season. Like there are outliers who who can perform above the norm, like Clayton Oliver is just an absolute machine. Um, in some situations, but um, I find those players are few and far between. So that's generally what I'm looking for in terms of regression. And how much does age play a factor too? You're looking at the old fossils and, and then dropping off like poor old Stato and his uh, fantasy game over the years. <laughs> Mate, his game's sharp. His game's sharp. When he, when he was away, <laughs> did you see him? He posted a bit of a, what do they call it? A thirst trap? Or whatever, I don't know. I'm like, man, this is like an ad for Viagra or something. It was crazy. (laughs) And um, so, his game's sharp. Yeah, look, age is is a factor, I guess, because generally there's going to be young guys pressing. So, yeah, it's it's a balance, I think. Then you get like Shannon Hearn, Jack Zeeble, who still just crush. Yeah, I'm interested in some of our... So, we're going to touch on them after our, our regression candidates and, and focusing on AFL Fantasy Classic, which I think is kind of harder in this sense because I think there's sometimes obvious picks in the regression candidates, like you're saying, and, and you know, maybe those older players you just do avoid just in case we see a drop-off. But, yeah, looking forward to our regression candidates a bit later in the show. But first, we're going to be talking about the breakouts. And we did say I did give you guys a little bit of a briefing to try and go a little bit different because at the moment, there's some high ownership players that we're going to just touch on at the top of the show because these are some popular players that obviously the community think are going to be breaking out. They are highly owned players and people that have already kind of been flagged by the community to have that next level of breakout. And we'll maybe go around um, and start with a few different players. I want to save a guy for you, Stevie, so I'll come to you in a little bit. But let's let's start with a Kitty Coleman who exploded in the grand final, Stato. Do you reckon he's a chance to go to the next level this, uh, this coming year in 2024? And... What are you going to do with his early buy round as well? Well, I'm not touching him with the starting squad, um, and it's only because I want to see it's real. Um, it's fair to say Daniel Rich um, hasn't been a major performer in that uh, team for, for a good 12, 18 months. So Kitty's had some opportunities before, and just because he's had one blinder of a game does not mean... Um, that he's just going to perform that week in, week out. And I think we've found with Kitty, he's really had hot and cold spells. So I want to see if the the role, the form is up to scratch. So uh, he's just one that I've got a, a keen eye on, but I, I want to see it first. And the having that early buy just gives you the opportunity to have a bit of a watch and see. All right. Um, any other differing thoughts on that, Kyle, from... Just the perspective, if you do ignore the buy, he's got the round two buy, so it's hard to ignore. You're probably not going to start him, but do you think Coleman can get some consistency in his game this year and be a, a valuable starting pick? Uh, yeah, well, Stato made some pretty good points. It's not like he hasn't had the opportunity. I think Brisbane like to kind of share that that load coming out of D50. They don't like to have it going through uh, one particular player, which a lot of those top sides do, so I wouldn't be surprised if they... You know, they share the ball around a little bit. They liked, you know, Wilmot's run and carry, um, Kitty and and some other players back there. So I'm not sure he's going to have enough of the ball to really push that, well, let's call it mid-90s average that, you know, we'd probably need him to be that mid-price keeper that we keep for the season. So like Stato, I want to watch him round zero. I will ask you, Stato, though, what score would he need to have in round zero for you to, you know, potentially pick him up before he's buying your starting squad? Yeah, look, it's a really interesting question because it's what I'm I'm looking through right now in all those sort of mid prices or um, value premiums that have got the uh, the round zero game um, is working out what's that sort of what's that sort of price point uh, or rise in cash over the first couple of weeks that you want to see that you're going to accept that you've got a, a player on its buy. Um, I think most of them, unless it's absolutely 
exceptional, like a 150 plus, that I'm just going to let fly until they're by. Um, but I'm treating round five and six a fair bit different compared to round two and three. Yes, a fantastic point I might add there from you, Stato. Now, let's jump on to the next player that, uh, that Stevie fears. We just got you on for this particular guy. Now, you were talking all about him last year. He did end up breaking out. It happened towards the end of the year. But is he going to take the next step again this coming year in 2024? Does Sam Flanders become that pure inside midfielder? And can he go at the monstrous 120 he did to end the season last year, Stevie? No. No, he's not going 120. Wow. Um, especially, I'm really curious to see what happens with the Suns in the way they play, like whether they switch to a more transition game. If they do, uh, I think he'll be okay. He should get, you, you know, most clubs run four midfielders. He should be one of the four. He has a good inside-outside game. Uh, probably him and Anderson uh, are the standouts there. He should be okay, but I I worry about what that system caps you at. I think if uh, he should be in the nineties, but where, you know whether he has enough upside for your salary cap game, that's probably up for debate. Has he automatically got the role, so, Steve? Mm. I would think so. I mean, he signed a long term deal under the new coach. I find it hard to get away from that. His numbers were just fantastic. One of the things that struck me earlier, Steve, when you said you were looking uh, at regressions is, are players doing things out of the normal? Are there many players in the comp that can hit 95, 100 plus playing predominantly from a half forward and, and just pushing into the midfield at stoppages like Flanders did at the back half of the year? Uh, there's not. There's not uh, if if they do go transition, I think mid forward isn't the end of the world. Um, but I mean, he was pretty bulk midfield. Like I'd be pretty comfortable um, in saying he should be right. The only thing I'd worry about is if it's not a tight four man group. Let's say they want to give Bailey Humphrey thirty percent and Dave Swallow twenty percent, uh, and and someone else. And it, like once. You know, if that distribution gets spread out, then, you you know, the whole team sort of suffers in terms of what their upside could be, I think. So, I think he's a tough player to start, man. I really, I don't know. It's interesting, though. Like, you know, if you're looking at his numbers at the back half of the year and it is 110-ish that he's going at, that's some big upside. But you're saying he's more of a 90s guy when things are normal and, you know, Hardwick's at the helm and, and things kind of come back to standard. Well, I think the the game style, I'm really backing in that they're going to change to a less stoppage-based system. That's my personal thought. Um, People can think differently, and that's fine, and that's why they play the games, and that's why we all talk like experts in uh, January and look like Muppets in, you know, May. He started getting CBAs around around 15 last year, and his percentage of CBAs from that time was 43-19, Round 19, very nice, 69, 32, 42, 52, 21, and 11. So he was probably averaging about 45% of the CBAs um, during that period where he's averaging that high. So uh, what it says is he's got some real upside, especially if his CBAs elevate. Another player with a very early buy round in round three. So I think you'd have to get something incredibly massive out of that round one or sorry, opening round if you even consider him as well. Probably another player that you're going to get after his buy if he does look the goods and is back to that 120 average uh, to end the year on his last three there. But unlikely according to his biggest fan. Stevie Fears. Uh, Moving on to Hayden Young, another popular player. Now, I will say, in terms of breakouts, I'd say both of those players already had their breakout last year, but looking to go to that next level of premium. Hayden Young going on the inside, Stato. Oh, actually, let's go to Holmesy, the the Fremantle man. Hayden Young, any interest in him? And are you on the hype train for the highly owned defender-eligible Hayden Young moving into that inside midfield role? Yeah, Dossie, I am at the moment. Uh, the way I like to play the game is if we can get uh, players with forward or defender status that are going to get uh, a lot of midfield time and be around the ball, then that's what we're that's what we're looking to do. And 
Uh, they showed Hayden Young in the back or back five games of last season. He moved into the midfield and looked good. And all the word coming out of Freo this year is that he's training full-time as a midfielder um, to go in there. So clearly, I, I'm, I am excited. I think he adds something different to Brayshaw and Sarong. I, he's definitely not Jordan Dawson, but he's in that model of a, a bigger body that has a really good left foot kick. And I think he's going to add that sort of defensive pressure in there. I think he tagged Lockie Neal uh, late last year and, and had his almost season high score. I think it was a, a 119 or something like that. So there's definitely scope there. I do think we need to temper expectations though. I'm not sure he's going to be 100 plus, especially with Brayshaw and Sarong. We don't really see many midfields outside of the Bulldogs um, that have, you know, three midfielders that go 100 plus and especially if we're banking on Brayshaw and, and Sarong to be around that 110 mark again, there's only so much ball to go around. So I think there's upside. I think it's probably going to land somewhere between 95 and 100, though. I'm not sure he's going to be that 100 to 105 player that um, it has been forecasted. Did I see a little bit of a cringe from you, Stevie Fizz? You're not you're not on the Hayden Young hype train there? Oh, no, I was just looking at something on the uh, computer, mate. Sorry, believe it or not, I'm oh, trying God. to do two things at once. <laughs> I'm kind of with One Holmes here, I'm, I'm kind of with Holmes. Yes, there's... Man, you want to know what the hell we talked about last night. It is... Disturbing, disturbing. But um, yeah, I'm kind of tempering the expectations on Young. I, I, I think anything in the upper 90s is really nice. Okay. Um, let's move on. I'm just going to touch on a few more players and I'll just, just a brief comment from you guys and then we'll move into our own breakout candidates and regression. But Tristan Sherry uh, moving into that number one ruck role with no Goldstein. Is this just a, a no-brainer, Stato? I mean, obviously, it's a no-brainer to pick him because we've got a lot of ruck options, but a no-brainer that he will break out this year, in your opinion? Yeah, certainly will break out. I mean, the only thing that's going to stop a breakout is injury. Okay, uh, Jeremy Sharp, a player that's rookie priced for Fantasy Classic. As you know, Stevie Fears, an avid salary cap player. Uh, Jeremy Sharp, is he an option for you? Do you think he'll get a role? Basically, that's all we need. Does it, will he play for Freo? Because that's all we need in salary cap for him to be valuable for us this year. Yeah, I have no idea, man. I wouldn't have thought so, but maybe. Mm, Liam Henry out. Think he can slot into that wing? Oh, they've they've got dudes. They've got dudes. Oh, okay. Stevie Fears not as high on Jeremy Sharp in a lot of teams at the moment on the bench or even sitting at M8. Um, couple more players, of course. I've already spruked them. Jason Horn Francis for me coming in at Port Adelaide as that third midfielder. A bit of upside there. Holmesy, any interest from you? Uh, not for classic, mate, and not even for draft, I wouldn't have thought. It, I don't think he's going to increase his average enough to be even a bench option for us, especially with Butters and Rosie being the two uh, big dogs in there now. But he should improve third year. But you look at a Paddy Dangerfield, he took, what, five or six years to really, really break out being that type of player. He's, he's pure impact, so I can't see him being a, an accumulator that's going to get us a decent enough um, outlay for a, a classic starting squad. And I've only put this guy in here because I know everyone's expecting me to say him and obviously I would have loved to, but I've said him too many times. It's Paddy Dow. Look, we know he's going to break out at the St. Kilda in the St. Kilda team. He's going to have a huge year. I know I've heard lots of, I think every one of you guys have admitted, you think at least he's got a fair bit of upside for a breakout this year. So we don't need to touch on him. Let's get into our own players and go through some breakout candidates for 2024 that we think are going to take that big leap forward. Going to throw you under the bus, Stevie, I guess. You can go first, mate. Yeah, so probably the player. I'm spruiking a fair bit this preseason who uh, is a, a classic breakout is George Wardlaw uh, from North Melbourne. I yeah. uh, really like the player. Obviously had a very, very interrupted year last year coming into the system. Did manage the eight games and, and had pretty low time on ground, but his numbers were just absolutely phenomenal. Led the team in tackles, led the team in pressure acts. Uh, really nice uh, center clearance rate when he got the midfield time. Can play inside, outside, good disposal. I think he's an absolute star uh, in the making. So that's probably one of those guys who I sort of spoke about the um, the talent progression in an already loaded midfield. Uh, I, I just think he's too good to, to keep out. So with a clean preseason under his belt... Um, what he can get his average to is, is probably the question. He's probably in the same boat as Horn Francis, where they're awkwardly priced for your salary cap models, whether they can generate enough money to become 
Uh, a good starting pick is the question where I uh, see I love him in draft, um, but I don't have to pay the same price. So I, I'm all about the, the Wardlaw train. Fuck, I, I had no idea that Steve liked Wardlaw, hey. I definitely haven't heard his name every single solo <laughs> point since October. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a star in the making, Wardlaw. I think, um, yeah, watching watching the debut and I just wasn't, I didn't, didn't know they had that sort of talent um, coming through with Wardlaw. So, uh, very exciting time, Steve, for his and um, <clears throat> one that I'm definitely backing in as well. So, that's maybe cause for concern that I'm keen for him as well. Um, but look, Georgie Wardlaw. I think what I will say is Louis, who couldn't make the podcast, we spoke about him the other day. Um, but he was concerned that his tackle numbers might have inflated his price or, you know, his average from last year a little bit. And that's something that's maybe not as sustainable. Just maybe to touch on that, Stevie, he did have some pretty high tackle numbers early days. And for a salary cap format, as you said, how he's awkwardly priced, maybe due to those sort of boosted tackle numbers. I don't think anything was outside the realm of, you know, what you could expect on, you know, a week to week. Like, it's not going to be massive tackles every single week. But, you know, you do see... Um, solid tackle numbers bob up here and there and again the time on ground is so low like it's sub 60 percent so yeah uh, that that's the thing that like he was doing all these things in such a low tog situation it's unbelievable it really was the second year breakout as i've said before as i've said many times before second year better than the third year breakout for that big boost in points uh Holmesy, take it away mate take uh, give us your first breakout candidate for 2024 yeah this is going to be a little bit not controversial but i'm not going to give you a player but i'm going to tell you where i'm hunting for points and i kind of want to discuss it with you boys of where you think these points will land so i'm pricking a breakout or a return to form for an eagles defender now that Shannon Hearn is retired and knowing that the Eagles are going to be absolute pus this year, there's going to be a lot of ball down in the Eagles' back line, uh, hopefully kickouts and and plenty of cheap plus sixes back there when they realise come round three that they're not competitive and they need to avoid these blowouts. So a couple of players I'm looking at here and I don't know where it's going to land. So we know that given all things healthy, you're going to have McGovern and Barras as the two lockdown players and then we need to see who these running defenders are going to be. So there's a Brady Hoff priced at 61, uh, showed a bit of a ceiling late. I think he had two tons out of his last eight or so games off the back of huge marks. So Steve's going to say that that's not sustainable, but um, you know, he's shown a bit of a ceiling. I'm not sure where he could get to, but priced at 60, if he could go 75, there's a little bit of meat on the bone there. Do you look at an Elliot Yo who's never fit, but priced at 70, does he just go into a full-time defender role back there and mop up? Does Witherden return to his 90-plus ways that he was at the Brisbane Lions? Or, you know, does Liam Duggan get more of a midfield role but then play as more of a Zach Merritt type where he just roams in that, you know, back 50 and and mops up off that half-back line to try and get them moving forward? So, Stato, where do you think these points are going to land um, in this Eagles back line? Thanks very much to crossing to me for fo- my first breakout. Alex Witherden is my first breakout. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what a segue. Yeah, he's the man, although I, I do like Hoff too. I'm, I'm actually really quite impressed by him. But um, it wasn't until I was doing the, the draft kit actually that I really dug into the information about Alex. And he's probably one that we've probably put a line through a few times um, going our expectations were quite high. Um, he's only 25 in his seven seasons four of them he's averaged 88 Um, so that shows you he's got the scoring power it was only um, 78 last year so obviously Hearn disappearing I wanted to look into that data he had two breaks in last year's season one of which um, they also had a, a couple of their tools out. So Alex Witherden actually had to play the third tall, and he matched up on Phil Thorpe and Logan McDonald in two weeks that Herm was away. Now, that's not the type of role Alex Witherden needs to play, nor when they're fully fit, he will. But then I looked at the other games without Hearn, and he averaged 99.25. Um, so I think Alex Witherden without Hearn will be the main... Um, the main uh, reward and he will get a fair bit more of the ball so 
He's gone from not being on my radar to actually being in my salary cap starting team at just over seven hundred thousand wow. dollars. Um, so I'm expecting a, a low to, to mid-90s average for 2024. And when you actually think of the little issue as well, that you look at the ins and outs of that club, they've lost a lot of experience and just brought in a bit of young talent. So they're going to need all their senior bodies, um, 22 games last year, Witherden's there, and he's going to get a fair bit of the pill. Does it count as a breakout returning to form? I don't well, know, but his, uh, we'll allow his breakout his... from 78 is going to be bigger than Hayden Young's 89, which you brought up first up there, Dossie. So let's keep it the facts, No, that, but that wasn't one of ours. That was one facts, of the mainstream mate. picks. So, okay, up. righto. Drop that, Dossie. <laughs> righto. Uh, well, I'll get to my breakout, which is also kind of a return to form, to be honest. But uh, Jack Bowes, oh, my boy. boy from last year. I'm looking at him for a big breakout in 2024. And mark my words, he'll be playing in the guts at Geelong next year, which is why I think he's going to go to a whole new level. Who the hell else do the Cats have? You guys want to name their starting midfield? you got Tom Atkins. I think, Steve, you'd say a jobber. Oh, mate, uh, did you see his finish to the year? You're, you're a Tom Atkins guy, are you, Steve? <laughs> you're coming not, on here and telling me you're a Tom Atkins guy. I'm not, but he picked up at the end, man. He really did. <laughs> I just want to say, just because right. I know they'll be driving the listeners crazy, someone's clicking the mouse about every uh, every half a second. So whoever's doing that, um, stop away. I reckon it's Steve. He's just Shut the fuck up, flicking through his porn. <laughs> 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 Paddy Dangerfield, Max Holmes, Tanner Bruin. Parfait, Cam Guthrie. Cam Guthrie. Yeah, just come on. Just give me Guy some Clark. postseason. Yeah. I, I think wherever he plays, if it's midfield, if it's defense, Bose has got a place in that team. The Cats, I mean, they're just going to have a massive drop-off, I think. I think realistically they're going to be down the bottom bottom end of the ladder. The I don't know what your numbers year, in your team it? analysis say, Stevie Fizz there. But um, look, for me, Geelong's going to take a drop-off. I think they're going to go to youth pretty soon. I think the first few games are going to determine which direction they're going in but Bo's in that sweet spot of the list build I think he's 25 26 they're going to want to sort of see what he's got this year give him a solid role and yeah whether it's midfield hopefully or whether it's just as in defense I'd prefer the midfield role obviously given they've already got Stewart down back and uh and Mitch Duncan as well mopping up back there but I think uh, there's plenty of room for Bose to, to grow, especially at his price and salary cap with his sub-affected games in there, as, lo- as well as a 10-point injury-affected game baked into his average there. What, so, what did he average? So. Oh, I've got to have a look, but he's only priced at 61. He's priced at 61. Don't, don't click your mouse, Doss. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> and, and, what, and what do you think he can go at, Doss? Look, I mean, his best career year, I think, was in it was around eighty. But I think, I think, to be honest, for him to break out, we're going to need to see that midfield time. Um, his other best career year was when he had that mop up role down back for Gold Coast, where he was just taking like every kick in and you know boosted his average from a like to a ninety five to a hundred for a few weeks, and then that got him up to like an eighty for the season. So, um, so, so I think if we see some midfield time, that that Holmes he discussed with DT Lemon. Is if you're going to go these mid prices, Holmesy, it was the the thirty point uptake that you need. Is that correct? I think it was twenty. Lemon, yeah, Lemon quoted twenty, but he also went on to say that uh, it just needs to be quick. So if you're picking a Jack Bowes, you really want his price to just spike early, and then if it does, it doesn't matter if he goes at twenty points above his seasonal average if he gets a quick spike in cash. But yeah, from a sixty price point dos, I would say you really want him to go eighty five and. I can't see it in that Geelong side. Their midfield's not as weak as you've mentioned. And if he is playing in defence, I'm sure Mitch Duncan and Tom Stewart will just let him have the pill for fun. I'm sure they don't want to get it. Yeah, because Mitch Duncan's in for another full season at age 32. Week in, week out. I I like Bows, but my problem with Geelong is I really wanted to pick, like, say, Max Harms or Mm. um, it was the Tanner Bruin. There's just so many guys run through that midfield. That seems like what they want to do. You think? I think he's a better draft pick than salary cap man. Should play some draft, Dossie. Jesus, (laughs) not inviting you on the show again. All right, Steve, take take your take your back to the draft doctors. (laughs) Yeah. 
Don't expect we'll get that one-on-one interview after. I'm going to cancel that one. But, uh, Stevie, take it away. <laughs> Wait, what? Me? You got another pick, another breakout. Come on. Oh, do I? Um, yeah. So I got, yeah, I got Josh Rochelle, um, and it doesn't convince Ooh. me at all. But I really want to target that Adelaide <laughs> midfield. Uh, and this is definitely a draft pick because um, you just did you just bash someone for a return to form? So I was like, I, I better scratch Carl Amon off my list because uh, he's no. For go for year. it. You like Carl Amon? Go for it. Yeah, do it. Because um, Louis, who didn't make the show today, he was he was going to be. Carl Amon was on his pick, so take it away. Give him, give him what he wants to hear. Oh, okay. Well, Carl Amon, man, holy hell! The the back end of the year, just let me click my mouse because I've got to change players. Sorry, Stato. I know the <laughs> listeners are just turning off as we speak. Um, Carl Amon moved to the back into defence for Hawthorne at the back end of the year. Absolutely rattled off a heap of tons. Uh, Hawthorne struggled moving the ball. That is one thing Carl Amon is machine at doing. He, he's a massive uh, metres per disposal player, massive metres game player. That was his strength at the last couple of years he was at Port Adelaide. And I think that's where Hawthorne realised they needed to get better at moving the ball out of defence. Uh, they can try some of the younger sort of mid-forward flankerish types on the wing. So Carl Amon went to defence and, yeah, five straight tonnes to finish the year. They were probably pretty handy teams Um to play outside against, but that's GWS, Bulldogs, Melbourne, like good teams. So I don't even think, you know, I don't, I don't suggest picking players uh, because they're going to get DPP, but I think he'll be rosterable straight off the bat as a midfielder and then he'll pick up DPP. And I think he's a nice uh, pivot from a guy I'll talk about later as a regression candidate in one of those teams that doesn't have a buy early. One thing I will say about Amon, he did have a 160, which is boosting that average, and that did conveniently come in one of those James Sicily suspension games. So, you know, does it does it change a little bit with Sicily there? Can't argue with the, the form. I think Sicily will probably regress as well because, as Stevie said before, those marks that he was getting last season is so far out of the norm. I'm not sure he'll keep those up. But also, footy's played a little bit differently in the, the back half of the year compared to the start of the year when teams like Hawthorne are just trying to get through to the back end of the year, maybe they possess the ball a little bit more than they would at the start. But yeah, you can't argue the, the finish that he had to the season. And if he is lining up in that role again, uh, he's definite value on his starting price. Well, I'll just look at, look at it this way. Like all the, well, the top 20 defenders, they're all in teams that play a low stoppage game. That's Hawthorne. They, they're none. They, and they overpossess the ball like mad. They're one of those teams. So like... Um, North Melbourne will probably do the same thing this year. So anyone picking a North Melbourne defender, whoever's going to play back there is probably in the same boat. But I just can't get over a guy like Carl Amon. He's a quality player, can run and carry, uh, can use his good foot skills. So I am, look, he's a tough price, 86 or whatever he is. As a midfielder, I understand it's very tough. Uh, there's probably better cash gen options, but um, I'm uh, the, the flag's planted, boys. The flag's planted. Love it. And yes, like I said, Louis was on the same page. I think he's put out a little tweet a while ago about him and, and how hot he is on him. And yeah, same. Just echoing the same sentiment from the great Stevie Fizz there. Uh, Holmesy, take us away with your next play, mate. Yeah, mine's one we've spoken about before. Another Frio Dockers player. I just want to talk about Heath Chapman a little bit. Uh, priced at 54. Stato shaking his head. We're on YouTube now, Stato. We can all see it, mate. We'll go to you then. You've, uh, just bo- you've burnt me twice. Lucky I'll put oh, a third one. Oh, have you? Oh, you were going to talk about him. Then that's good. It shows we're on the same wavelength yeah. at least. Uh, well, your first one was a fence sit and a half yeah. though, Holmesy. You didn't even pick a yeah, player. So true, at least but you that, named a player this time. Yeah, this one he has. Yeah. For the listeners, we haven't coordinated this whatsoever. Dossie, he likes to uh, make sure that... boys. <laughs> <laughs> One at least, thing, one, at least it wasn't. Steve, at least it wasn't the porn commentary coming up. Hey, <laughs> I, you I, fucking told me not to click, so I went on my phone. And you, I can't help it. I can't help it. Can, this is your this, fault, Stato. This is the format we need to do the draft, Doctor. Just for the listeners, I, I'll be talking about a subject, and Steve will just walk away, go and take a piss, grab another beer. That's why you hear me talking for twenty minutes straight. Right. Well, thanks right. for the content, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> 
back to back to Heath Chapman. So fourth year, coming into his fourth year, he has had a couple of injury interrupted seasons, which have really not had us see the best of him. This player is an absolute gun. He has played lockdown roles in the past as that sort of second or third tall, but with uh, Alex Pierce and Brennan Cox having those main lockdown roles. Um, sewn up and with Hayden Young potentially moving into the midfield there is a spot there for a Heath Chapman either on the half back as a bit of an interceptor or on the wing and priced at 54 I think there's every chance he can push close to that 80 mark and be a pretty good cash generator for us Stato are you on the same sort of thinking there absolutely yep spot on the mark well said well played Uh, you've stolen two of mine but uh, good calls both I don't know. I, I don't see. I, I love Heath, I love Heath Chapman, but I, I wonder if he's a quality player rather than a, a fantasy scorer. Like he he does match winning things like the spoil on the on the you know last dying stage of the game a couple of years ago. But he does those things well. Like the defensive part of his game is pretty strong anyway. So I don't know if he whether he's more of the attacking player or we see someone like a Jordan Clark take off with Hayden Young moving out of there and I think you sort of you sort of mentioned him Steve the other week on on your show um, about the team structure and sort of Jordan Clark was on your your watch list in that sense just that speed and, and being able to run out of defense I think he's maybe a guy even a wing or, or a defender that sort of pops as opposed to a Heath Chapman well like Jordan Clark I'm not sure he's got enough upside for your salary cap teams Right. All right. Stuff. Stuff. He's the what? Bloody Steve. What did I get him on here? Just another person to put me down. That's all right. Uh, Heath Chapman, a solid pick all around from everyone. Okay, my third pick. Uh, Holmes, he can't steal this one. Is James Jordan. So mid forward for Sydney Swans. In only his second game, he scored. 105 uh, rotating inside midfielder. In his 10th game, uh, with 13 tackles, he scored 110, also playing inside. In round 13, 2022, he went head-to-head on the outside with Josh Dacos, gathered 23 kicks to score 124. Since that game, he has been vested nine times. So obviously he was the victim of the Lockie Hunter trade into Melbourne with Ed Langdon, Lockie Hunter, two on the outside and their brigade of inside midfielders that they had at the time. Probably not a player they wanted to lose after uh, Harms moved on and with the little woes that they've got with Oliver, but it's certainly the Swans' game. He averaged 72 in 2022, only his second year in the system, and that included a sub-affected 11. And with eight subs from last year and playing forward and not getting the opportunity, he comes in priced at 50. So I'm expecting a low 80s average with a bump around 30 points. Don't mind it, Stato. Don't mind it at all. And uh, we will let Stato go now as well. Thank you for joining us, Foss. And uh, all the best in your recovery, mate. Thank you very much. All right. We've lost Stato. We've also lost Holmesy. A bit of a nightmare recording, Stevie, as you know. You do it a bit more low-key, but, gee, it's been... uh, it's been a tough one today to finish out this recording, but we're going to push through old school style, just uh, me and the fizz. Can't wait to get through this. So, all right, I'm going to go away with my, with my, <laughs> I'm going to go with two breakouts here, Steve, and I want to get your opinions on these. So I'm, going to, I'm coming in hot with a couple and very interested in your opinions here. So, it's a tough one, this one, I do admit, because they do have a pretty loaded midfield and you've already mentioned, you've already shot me down with another player who you know, technically have a, a bit of a loaded midfield at Geelong, even though I don't know if they're that loaded. This team definitely has a much more loaded midfield, especially the top two guys. But I'm coming in with a Ben Hobbs breakout. And I don't know if you've heard this term, Stevie, but observable thirst. Love a man that just has that insatiable desire for the pill. Ben Hobbs, one of those guys. I know you love a man as well that gets those contested and uncontested possessions. Does a mix of them. Benny Hobbs is that man. Third highest points per minute on the roster, apart from, you know, if we exclude uh, Will Setterfield as well, who only played the 10 games. Had 35% center bounces last year. Only 69 
Nice percent time on ground. Had a popped calf in the preseason, which I actually forgot about. Didn't start the season, uh, started the season in the VFL to start with. But yeah, Benny Hobbs for me. Give me that stock in 2024, and I reckon he's got some massive upside. Even in our salary cap format, Steve, are you interested in Ben Hobbs? Oh, I mean, I love him. I love the player late in my draft. He's <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Man, you choose the hardest players. I love them all, but I just, I, I don't know. He's such a tough, he's in a tough spot, I think. He's in a really tough spot. It's such a loaded team, like you mentioned. Um, they're a super, super uncontested team. Essendon and their run of matches to start the year, they're all super uncontested players. So, I mean, I'm looking, he's a gun player, but I I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a, it is a like, tough one. It's the same thing with Bose. I love the pick. If you go with him and it works out, you've got a leg up. So, I'm a genius. Yeah. yeah. I like to always go for the all or nothing picks, though. You do know that's why I always fail in my fantasy classic sides. But yes, Benny Hobbs, I I do love that. And I'm sure a lot of the Essendon fans will be getting on him. They do. One player that's actually really popular owned, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this guy as well, um, given I'm sure he would have come up in your rankings of forwards, which you've probably done already. Elijah Sartis is being a popular pick in Fantasy Classic, believe it or not, Stevie Fears. One that popped off the page to me, pretty highly owned in Classic. Would you get around a plus, I'm talking about a plus 20 kind of point rise. I think he's priced around 50. Do you have him going, you know, 70 plus? What do you think about Sartis? Yeah, he's one of those guys. Like, there's so many of these guys, if they get mid-time. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there's not much yeah. of a form line for him. That's the that's kind of the problem. Um, you can say things like, oh, he was a gun junior. So many of the guys in the yeah. AFL were gun juniors. That's kind of why they're in the AFL. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. That's the honest truth on him. I don't feel confident. Yes, I'd absolutely yeah. pick him up in my draft, but that's – this is where I struggle in salary cap compared to draft is – if I punt forwards and I take, I can go Rochelle, Connor McDonald, Sardis, all these guys late. And it doesn't matter if they flop, um, but you really yeah. just need to hit one of them. Whereas in salary cap, obviously, you need them to sort of work out all of them. Yeah, you need it to pop. Yeah, you're not wrong. You, you need and to like, you have to limit these kind of guys. And I think that's the thing in this show, like of these more risky picks, you definitely need to limit the sort of amount that you back in unless you're that confident that they've got the role. And if we maybe see it in a preseason game, I mean, sometimes even that's not enough. Like we've seen that before where players have the role in a preseason game, then it come round one or come opening round, we, we see a complete switch. So, well, I mean, at least we get a dress rehearsal in that game this year. Say with Sardis, like if he gets 30% inside midfield time, which say, which we say is, is good, where does he spend the rest of the time? That's why I, I kind of like the Bose pick more because if he gets 30% midfield time, there's a chance the rest of the game is off half back. Well, we know those yeah. two areas are the high scoring portions of the ground. So I like that more than the guy who spends some time forward. Yeah. And this final pick, Stevie, I reckon you're hot on this guy too, which is why I wanted to bring him up. And this is honestly, as much as I love stats, and I feel like stats have been just a huge part of the the, the conversation this preseason. And obviously, with a guy like uh, the great Jaden Papowski popping out stats on Twitter and, and making them more accessible. And even yourself, Steve, with your great statistical analysis the other week, which you thought was going to be the biggest flop, but ended up being um, <laughs> your greatest episode of the team analysis. If you haven't checked that out, head to the Draft Doctors and listen to the team analysis. It was absolutely great work by yourself, mate, and, and a solo podcast, which is even tougher to record. But... This is pure gut feel. I, I can't really find the stats apart from center bounces, as we've as we've mentioned many times. He hasn't had that exposure yet. Mitch Owens at the Saints is just the gut feel pick for me. I bloody love this guy. I think he reminds me so much of what happened to Josh Dunkley in his career prior to popping. Remember Bevo playing Josh Dunkley forward then because he was such a good contested mark, then popping him in the ruck weirdly in these roles because he could just do it all. Mitch Owens for me is Josh Dunkley 2.0 and I reckon this year is the year that Ross Lyon unleashes the beast. You've had Jade Gresham where, you know, potentially we see him take up some of that usage. He actually had Jade Gresham 27% of center bounces last year for the Saints. Obviously, there's another great man, Paddy Dow. I expect to go in there and take some. 
do we see Mitch Owens go in there as a bit of a different look, as a big-bodied midfielder that can really get it done, still split his time up forward where he can uh, snag a couple of snossage rolls? But, yeah, Mitch Owens, mate, I reckon you're a bit of a fan, but for me, the stats are hard to back it in, but Mitch Owens, I love a breakout this year, third year. Yeah, I think uh, I think you hit on the head. Great player, great uh, man-on-man player, uh, a bit tough in fantasy, right? Yeah, mm. great to watch. Great to watch. That's and that's kind of the failing of fantasy, isn't it? It doesn't always reward the players who are great to watch. Jade Gresham was surprisingly his centre clearance win rate from what he attended phenomenal, phenomenal. He's also, you know, you know, um, the the whole observable thirst thing actually started with Jade Gresham. Like the guy <laughs> wants the pill so badly, it's it's not funny. It's never translated to fantasy, which is weird. But the guy screams for the pill like no other man alive. So, yeah, be interested to see how he goes in his new colours as well this year. Now, let's get on. And obviously, we've lost a couple. So, we probably won't get the names from from the other guys. But we maybe put them out on, on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. But, Steve, let's get your regression candidate for 2024. And I did I did preface this by saying I didn't want a draft name, obviously, um, and, and from the other guys as well. Or a player that's not going to be... Highly owned. I kind of wanted as a bit of a spicy take because, you know, I think there is some players that we kind of know are, are going to drop off or, you know, just the age factor, like I mentioned at the top of the show. But who's a guy that is maybe popular in classic circles who you think is going to have a drop off this year? Yeah, well, Holmesy ruined just everyone's picks, it seems, because <laughs> it's James Sicily. Um, yeah, James the marks are unsustainable, Sicily. just completely unsustainable. So there's no way that continues in any sh- any way, shape, or form. He, he's got a 10-point drop-off coming his way, and I think he's um, an interesting player because he's not going to have that early buy. So I think people will, the general public, I should say, will gravitate towards him as a starting pick uh, whereas I think he's probably an upgrade target because I still think he'll finish in the top eight defenders, um, but you'll probably be, be able to get him at a cheaper price. Although they do start with, again, a heavy uh, low stoppage schedule. So he might actually come out of the gate pretty well. I'll risk it though. You'll risk it. And, and just for those that missed the, the bit of the team analysis last week, now you say, you know, the marks are unsustainable. Just, you know, sort of maybe delve into why you think that is. I know you explained it fantastic and go listen to that podcast, but just a quick recap. Yeah, well, there's only so many marks and, and so many marks one player can take. And, and historically, once you get, oh man, you've put me on the spot in terms of what the rate is. <laughs> um, but I think it's once you get over, is it eight or 9% of a team's marks, you just regress the next year. And especially for a defender, um, I can't imagine Hawthorne are going to be wanting to play chip, 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 chip around the back, not moving the ball uh, particularly fast. The fans won't tolerate it, and it's not a good way to win matches. So it's And it's not just a bad metres gained overall. It's metres per disposal. So they're, they're quite low as a team. Uh, I think maybe bottom or second bottom, something like that. So. All right. Well, from... from- from a highly owned defender, let's go to another highly owned defender for my regression candidate. I struggled a bit, to be honest, with this one, because when you are talking players that are classic relevant, I feel like coaches are pretty switched on and, and not targeting some of those maybe more obvious kind of starting picks that we might be talking about. But my regression candidate is actually Jack Sinclair this year. And... Um, after a huge, another career year last year following a career season the year before that, I mean, I don't know if enough's been made of this guy's rise. He just went from, you know, absolutely sort of an afterthought in the Saints system to becoming literally a top 10 player in the league based on player ratings last year. He was number eight. I think the year before that, he was 12th. Um, but I'm just wondering now, the Saints, they have addressed a few needs. Um, where does he play next year? Is he defender, midfield? Pro- probably a mix of both like he did this year. But I think as we see Wanganine Millerer jump into becoming more of that go-to distributor in defense with his penetrating kick, I think he's going to take more kick-ins, probably steal a few off Sinclair, who scored about 12 points from kick-ins last year. Plus the arrival of Liam Henry as that other user that they really need another another good ball user. I think Liam Henry will be that, whether he's on the wing or, or a back flank as well. I think he's going to obviously play some wing. But just a little bit of a, you know, if he does play some more midfield as well, could we see that Jaden Short effect? I think there's just a bit of food for thought as a Jack Sinclair coming off two bonkers career years. It's basically just like, can we see this guy keep doing what he's doing and, 
and and whether the Saints have addressed enough in their own internal team, bringing in a few players as well. You know whether he's whether that's sustainable, and it's probably just something that I personally think like he should be a target for all opposition teams as well. He's just that damaging. As I said, he's a technically a top ten player in the league based on the ratings, and that's probably how you see it is him being that absolute go to guy for the Saints. But I don't think I see massive drop off, but I see maybe a, t- a tag game coming for him, and, and that to me scares me off. You got any thoughts about Jack Sinclair heading into this year, Steve? Yeah, it's an interesting one. He's obviously one of the fantastic outside players of the game and, and has been for a little while. I think even when he played, he wasn't fantasy relevant particularly as a wing, but Champion Data had him rated pretty highly just to throw a bit more shade on you. Um, Dos, <laughs> sorry, mate. Um, just nonstop hate all, all the way through. No, it's, it's yeah, absolutely it's not I'm, used to it. I'm used to it on the shots, all right. Um, yeah, I, look, he averaged well. Theoretically, the only way is down. St Kilda were an extremely low stoppage team. Um, that that's how they want to play. They need a bridge between midfield and forward. So maybe he plays a bit more forward and, and they try to get him delivering the ball inside fifty. I don't know. All right. Well, I reckon that'll wrap us up, Stevie Fizz. I, I do want to thank you very much for finishing the show with me uh, solo here and going through just a couple of regression candidates. Like I said, we might pop out a few of the other guys, um, their selections. We did have a few issues on the recording front this episode. And, you know, surprisingly, Steve, you were the, the technology savvy one that stuck around the, the entire time here, mate. But uh, well done. And, and obviously, we know where to find you on the Draft Doctors. Uh, you can find us at AFL, But... What's to come for, for listeners of the Draft Doctors heading into, well, draft season coming up in a couple of months? We've still got a f- little way away. Yeah, it seems it seems closer than ever, though. I was talking to Mrs. Fizz, and she was like, oh, it's eight weeks away. I'm like, that's that's close. Like, you know, yeah. we've got a few couple, couple more weeks of ranking shows, um, nail that down and then release the kit in the draft simulator and hopefully draft and start some footy, man. Love it, man. Thanks for joining us. Keep an eye out for the draft kit by the Draft Doctors and the Draft Simulator that Stevie mentioned. Trailblazer in the community creating the the first mock draft simulator out there. So go check that out when it drops. When's that coming? Uh, hopefully around January 26, whatever you want to call that day. That's uh, generally our target. All right. all right. Thanks again for having us, uh, for, for coming on the show, Stevie. And we'll see you all next week. 